This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And away we go. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak and a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. The legendary Jim Mars is standing by from the Great Republic of Texas. He'll join us momentarily as we commemorate the 15th anniversary of 9-11, 15 years ago. Just staring through the glass uh, at my young technical producer, Ian Robertson, 15 years ago. Uh, how old would you have been, Ian? Um, two, maybe? I don't know. I have socks that are older than you. But do you have any recollections of 9-11? Any at all? Yeah, I was in school. <laughs> you were in, what grade? <laughs> it was grade one. Grade one. Okay. Yeah. So barely registered, probably. You yeah, knew something maybe was a little off that day. but to stay home. And you were probably you were probably yeah. shielded from the the, the yeah. truth as you should have been. Yeah. Wow, it's hard to believe. Yeah, unless people are let's say twenty seven, maybe they they really probably have no discernible memories uh, of of uh, of nine eleven. And we'll get into that uh, here in a moment. Speaking of which, for those of you listening who attended my live event this afternoon, where did the towers go with uh, Dr. Judy Wood? Thank you, one and all, for coming out. And I have to tell you, I am still coming down from the event. What can I say about Dr. Wood's presentation? Spellbinding, absolutely compelling. And I mentioned this when I introduced her this afternoon. You know, she has been called a kook, a fraud, a disinfo agent. And by whom? Forget the mainstream media. Quite frankly, Dr. Judy Wood doesn't get mentioned in the mainstream media. Um, She's being called these things, by and large, by some in the 9-11 truth movement. Uh, you know, the Stephen Jones, the Alex Jones, the Richard Gages, uh, all people who I've interviewed uh, on, the, on the program, uh, and I have a lot of time for, uh, for all of them. Um, and um, I, I interviewed Judy Wood when her, her book came out many years ago, Where Do the Towers Go? So I know what she's on about, and I understand, you know, she challenges the uh, official alternative, I call it the official alternative version of 9-11, which is controlled demolition and nanothermite. Um and I was on side with that for a very long time. I have to tell you, though, the way she laid out her argument this afternoon and her PowerPoint presentation, home run, knocked it out of the park for me. And I, I said uh, this this afternoon be, before I introduced uh, Dr. Wood, uh, the 9-11 truthers, not all of them, but some, are using the same tactics against Dr. Wood that they accuse the mainstream media of using against them. So the slave has become the tyrant. And I um, I just want to go on record. I, I think it is time. I uh, know. I don't think I know. It is time for Dr. Judy Wood uh, to get a fair hearing by the 9-11 truthers. 
and, and Richard Gage and Alex Jones and Stephen Jones and others, uh, they need to actually sit down, read her book, examine her evidence, and uh, I encourage all of you who weren't at the uh, event this afternoon to start looking into Dr. Wood's work. Evidence of the of uh, directed free energy on 9-11. Uh, no, we're not talking about lasers mounted on sharks. Uh, the, uh, uh, the technology to dustify the dustification of two 110-story buildings, uh, plus most of Building 4, uh, parts of 5 and 6. You can uh, Anyway, you can see it with your own eyes when you watch the videos of those of the buildings coming down. You can see the steel girders dissolving into dust as they descend to the ground like, well, this is Dr. Judy Wood's description, I think is very apt. They look like Elka-Seltzer tablets in a glass of water. And when you look at it, it finally it, 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 it dawned on me, my God, that's true. All right, for the next uh, 40 minutes or so, we're going to discuss, uh, as I mentioned earlier, 9-11, what else, on the 15th anniversary. And here to help us uh, do it uh, really is, uh, I, uh, he, as I mentioned earlier, he's, you know, the pantheon of, of researchers in this field, and he's in. He's at the top of the pantheon as, for, as far as I'm concerned. Jim Mars is a native of Fort Worth, Texas. He earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in journalism from the University of North Texas in 1966. Did I say that out loud? And attended graduate school at Texas Tech in Lubbock, Lubbock, Texas, for two years more. He's worked for several Texas newspapers, including the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and uh, served as a police reporter, general assignment reporter. Uh, moving ahead, 2007, he retired from the University of Texas at Arlington, where he had taught a course on the Kennedy assassination since 1976. And, of course, his 80, 1989 book, Crossfire, The Plot That Killed Kennedy, was published to critical acclaim, reached the New York Times paperback nonfiction bestseller list, and it became, became a basis for the Oliver Stone film JFK. He served as a chief consultant for both the film's screenplay and the production. Uh, other notable works, of course, Alien Agenda, Rule by Secrecy, The War on Freedom, The Terror Conspiracy, Above Top Secret, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, one of my favorites. And uh, we should mention that his um, a book, which just came out um, a short time ago, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us, has just been released as uh, as soft cover. Uh, Jim Mars, welcome. How are you, my friend? Hey, Richard. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Likewise. All right, here we are, uh, 15 years on, and I mentioned, you know, there's um, the uh, the 9/11. Uh, those of us, you know, that that are still concerned about it, most of us, but it's kind of divided into a number of camps. There's the the uh, the nanothermite, the controlled demolition camp. There's there are those who who steadfastly cling to the official version. Two planes slammed into the twin towers. Uh, Fifteen years on, I mean, how uh, have, has your position oh, moved? All right, are you ready? Are you ready for the answer? I am. The answer is yes, all of the above. <laughs> all right. So this is, this is why, Richard. I don't understand why that the. Uh, I mean, we're having. Trouble enough getting the uh, great unwashed masses out there to understand that two aircraft cannot bring down three buildings. Okay, and they and you go and they go what and you go yeah building seven the Solomon Brothers building you know it collapsed at 5:30 on the afternoon of September the 11th 2001 and uh, it was not hit by airplanes and they go what 
because a lot of people, I mean a lot of people, are still unaware that three buildings went down in New York. So we have problems enough right there without squabbling amongst ourselves over, was it thermite, was it nanothermite, was it conventional cutters, was it nukes, was it particle beam weapons, energy-directed weapons, because the answer is yes. (laughs) Okay, I'm pretty convinced, Richard, that they used a combination of exotic technology, much of which is not known to the public, which is what allowed them to pull off the 9-11 attack, the 9-11 terrorist operation, and uh, get away with it. Because uh, not only were they using nanothermite, which is not generally known except to the building demolition experts, um, they were also using um, small uh, shape-charged nukes. And if people think, well, that's impossible, because, see, most people think of a nuclear bomb, they think of that picture of Little Boy that we dropped on Hiroshima, and it was, you know, this great, big, huge, fat-looking bomb. Right. But uh, I recall when I was a kid in the 50s, uh, seeing newsreels where they were shooting atomic artillery shells. They had a big old cannon they called the Long Tom, and they would fire that cannon, and then 10 miles downrange, they would, there would be a small tactical nuclear explosion. So they had uh, nukes the size of artillery shells, which is, what, maybe two or three foot long and, uh, oh, a foot or two around, Okay, that was in the 50s. So the idea that today they have many nukes that uh, are about the size of a small basketball or maybe an enlarged baseball or softball, you know, that, that they have those. This is the current technology. We just, the popular, the uh, public is not popularly aware of that, okay? So you put this, you put these mini nukes in the basement where there is plenty of testimony that there were explosions in the basements of the World Trade Center towers. Okay, um, the uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Mike Picararo who said that he went up uh, uh, up through the basements after being knocked down by an explosion. That was a janitor, the- right? Yes, and uh, went to a machine shop, and there was a huge drill press that had been just disintegrated. Okay, now you take those mini uh, nukes, you put them in the basement with a shape charge. They take out those forty-seven steel girders that are the spindle, the the prop, the that hold up those buildings. This would allow them to come down. Then you use your thermite to take care of all of the support. Uh, beams, and then you use your conventional cutter charges to take care of the rest, and the whole thing would just totally collapse uh, because there is no, uh, there's nothing holding up the weight. Now this is what happens, okay? But now also you have to ask yourself, what about the toilets? <laughs> Let's talk toilets for a minute. There weren't have any. You ever tried there weren't to any. Destroy a toilet? Exactly. You know, you can beat on it, you smash it to pieces, you can kick it all around, but it's not easy to destroy a toilet. And think how many toilets were in this 110-story building. Think how many metal filing cabinets were mm-hmm. in that building. Telephones. What happened Did you ever to all see a telephone? That? No. No. 
Now, you got a 110-story building, and, and it got hit by a plane. It caught fire, and it collapsed. That's what we're told. It should have left a debris pile of more than 10 stories. Mm-hmm. And yet, all we saw was less than two stories, and it was just a few desultory ruins and debris. What happened to all of the mass of those buildings? Obviously, there was something else going on. And uh, I don't think we should rule out Judy Wood or others who talk about um, a directed energy weapon, because I know we're working on that. In fact, Richard, I'm going to cut you in on Liz's secret, you and your uh, listeners. Hold on to that secret, Jim. Hold on to that secret. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Jim Mars, Rule by Secrecy, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, Alien Agenda. The Terror Conspiracy, Above Talk Secret, Crossfire, The Plot That Killed Kennedy, and now available in paperback, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. So delighted to have Jim Mars with us. And who else, uh, as we commemorate the, uh, the 15th anniversary of uh, the 9-11 attacks? And again, just a reminder, Population Control, How Corporate Owners Are Killing Us, uh, now available in soft cover. And uh, actually, I think that was the last time you came uh, to Toronto, Jim. Uh, you, your presentation had everything to do with uh, population control. Um, That's correct. Now. That's why I think this may be one of my more important books. Uh, reading about Kennedy assassination, reading about plots and conspiracies and uh, the rise of the Fourth Reich, the way that the Nazis were brought in over to North America and rolled into our government and our military-industrial complex. These are all really, really interesting, important stories. But, you know, uh, population control, this this gets beyond politics. It gets beyond philosophies. Uh, we're talking self-defense. If you want to protect yourself and your family and your loved ones, you better find out what they're doing to you, what they're putting in your food, what they're putting in your water, what they're spraying in your air, uh, what they're putting in your vaccines. And you better learn what what they're doing so you can protect yourself. Uh, Indeed. And um, before the break, you were about to let us in on a big secret. We were talking uh, first of all, we were, you were sort of itemizing all those things that should have been found in a debris uh, a pile when a building collapses, like toilets, like filing cabinets, like telephones. Mm-hmm. Nariya one was found, which right. tends to, uh, you know, which to so me is is evidence of a dire- of, of some sort of directed uh, energy. Right. right. Something disappeared them. Okay. Yes. Now, what is it? Okay. Judy Wood actually makes, and I've met her and talked with her, interviewed her, and she makes a, a very cogent argument uh, for a some sort of a um, energy weapon. Uh, the place where I think she's theorizing and, and may have caused her some trouble is because she, as I recall, she was saying that she thought it may have come from a space-based weapon from a satellite. Okay. 
I, without going into a long song and dance, I have very good reason to believe that a particle beam disintegrator type weapon was being developed at, uh, at uh, Brookhaven National Laboratory on Long Island in the center of the island there. Okay? In 1989, this weapon was tested and used to bring down a UFO. Uh, in 1992, it was tested again and brought down a UFO that crashed in South Haven Park and, cr and caused a huge big fire there that actually made national news. But, of course, they didn't mention the UFO. They just said it was a big fire. Uh, in 1996, I believe, it, this same weapon was tested uh, 65 miles out uh, southeast of Long Island. Uh, at a test area designated Tango Billy, and it was a military exercise where they shot a missile at a drone aircraft, and the purpose of the test, of course, what they've been trying to do for years, see if they could stop a missile in flight. And so they fired the missile at the drone, and the disintegrator beam, the particle beam accelerator from Brookhaven was used to see if they could stop that missile. Unfortunately, the TWA-800, ah. which had had a minor, minor malfunction and right. was late taking off, climbed into the trajectory of this beam weapon and was knocked down in friendly fire. That was the TWA-800. And, of course, they couldn't admit to what happened there because that was our most top-secret weapons testing. Okay, But everybody with the TWA told the truth. People who said there was a missile, there was. People who saw a drone aircraft or a mystery aircraft, there it was. People who saw a light in the sky, that was the beam weapon. So everybody, even the government told the truth to a limited degree. They said a spark got in a central fuel tank and uh, blew up the airplane, which is true. But why did the spark get in a central fuel tank? And it's because the beam weapon hit the aircraft and fried the onboard computers, and everything was sparking and flashing, and valves were opening and closing, and that's how the spark got in the fuel tank. Now, that was the TW-800. Now, if they could use that as a disintegrator beam, and they could use it uh, at a target 65 miles to the southeast, all I, su I suggest all they had to do was turn that weapon a little further south, and it's only 25 miles to the World Trade Center buildings. And I think that was what was used to spray those buildings and disintegrate. You, you mentioned yourself, uh, Richard, the fact that there are films showing steel girders that do not fall over. They simply disintegrate in midair. Dustification is what she calls it. Yeah, like, a, like an Elka-Seltzer tablet go. in a glass of water. Yep. And it just, it just, it just blows, blows away. It disintegrates. And that's why. So what happened on 9-11 is they were using exotic technology only known in the inner circles of the military-industrial complex, and therefore they could come out with any screwy uh, cover story, uh, something along the lines of the single bullet theory, and nobody was in a position to say, well, no, that's not right, because here's what it was, because we didn't know. 
And I'll tell you another thing. There was an exotic technology that was not known at the time that was used on 9-11 that's very important to understand how that happened. And that is the com- remote computer capture of onboard uh, flight computers on aircraft. All right, Back tell me in more. The 1980s, I was in uh, interviewing a pilot for a commercial airliner, and uh, after the interview, we were just talking, and he said, "You know, my job's redundant." And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He said, "Well, he said the these new planes, these new wide-bodied Boeing jets, said uh, they they're they're fly-by-wire, they're fly-by computer. Mm-hmm. You know, the computer flies the airplane." He said, "I'm just there in case the computer breaks." And so I'm going, wow, you know, so I did some study. Well, come to find out this is true. Now, here's a bad analogy, but if you're using a CB radio and you're talking to somebody and I come along uh, and I have a much stronger CB signal than you, then that's what they call I step on you, okay? Right, right. The person listening is going to hear me. They're not going to hear you because my signal is stronger. They can take stronger signals, and they can intercept an airplane's computer, and they can enter that computer, take over the computer. In fact, uh, in my book, The Terror Conspiracy Revisited, I quote uh, the head of British Airways, who in early 2001 said, you know, the era of of, uh, airline hijacking is over with. He said, because now we can capture the onboard computer remotely and we can guide the aircraft to a safe landing regardless of the desires of the hijackers or even the flight crew. This is amazing, uh, Jim, that you're bringing this up now because I, I wanted to mention this because after the event today, uh, uh, Patrick and Kadena from Conspiracy Culture and, and Judy and I, we went to dinner and Judy has had a conversation with someone in um, uh, a pilot, I believe it was, saying the, the exact same thing. I remember, too, she, she brought up back in the 70s, it almost became a cliche. It was every week there was a plane being hijacked and diverted to Cuba. Yeah. Uh, and, and she went back and she said in 1974 there were 50 planes hijacked and diverted to places like Cuba. Then all of a sudden, at some point, late 70s, early 80s, it stopped. And what you're talking about, that's the reason. That's they, the reason. Standard equipment on Boeing uh, uh, aircraft, pilot what, punches in a code, and uh, he hears someone pounding on the door, let us in, we're taking over. He punches in that code, or she punches in that code, and now the control of the airplane goes to the tower. That's right. There's and nothing there's a hijacker can do. can control that airplane. You cannot hijack a modern air, uh, airplane. That's true. By the way, and then to add insult to injury, uh, pilots uh, for 9-11 Truth managed to get hold of some of the black box recordings on the flight that, uh, uh, that they said hit the Pentagon. And what they found was in all the parameters there that the uh, flight uh, deck door had not been opened during flight. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> the flight deck door hadn't been open how did the how did honey honjor get in the cockpit and guide that plane to the pentagon exactly of course, of course the ball face fact is is that no plane hit the pentagon there were 82 security cameras all on and around
from the Pentagon. And that afternoon, before the afternoon, before the sun went down, the FBI had grabbed all of that, and we have never seen any of it. Well, we saw one sort of very fragmented video. I don't know if it came from a from, fifteen frames. Yeah, from a shell station or something across the road. Right. And what I love is I remember watching Bill O'Reilly. And for two or three days, he was saying, we now have the film of the plane hitting the Pentagon, and we'll put to rest all of these crazy conspiracy theories, and we're going to show that tomorrow night or whatever. And and then they actually ran those 16 frames, and then Bill O'Reilly himself said, I didn't see a plane. (laughs) Good for him. Good for him. The other uh, don't. don't see a plane. Uh, Also, let me mention this. Richard, you know as well as I do, after every major air disaster, they come along and they pick up every single little piece of that aircraft that they can find, and they take it to a big hangar, and they reassemble it, okay, right. so that they can try to determine what exactly caused that crash so we can prevent future occurrences. Show me a picture of the debris of uh, that flight that they said hit the Pentagon, put together in a hangar, and I will shut up about the Pentagon. But you haven't seen it, and you're not going to see it because there was no plane involved. Well, we all remember, and many of us remember, uh, at least while it was available, and I, it may still be online, I'm not sure, I'm talking about the CNN reporter Jamie McIntyre, who was on the scene. Right. Uh, and said there is no evidence. This Again, you always pay attention to the early reports. I learned this from you years ago, Jim. You you pay attention to those early reports because then they disappear. You'll never hear again, hear right. from them again. Jamie McIntyre on the scene saying no, re- no evidence of a plane crash hitting a building here. And uh, we saw the footage. And again, out on the, uh, the front lawn there, the Pentagon, no debris. No debris. No. So what happened? Did, did some, Except some... Except for Donald Rumsfeld running along with a little bitty piece he's holding his hand. And, of course, I always wonder, you know, did he pick it up or was he putting it down? <laughs> right. So what, what happened there? Did a, some Hercules transport plane come by and, and drop this stuff on the front lawn? Oh, they, they, had a, they had a few pieces ready to go. You know, this... Uh, Uh, This was actually a a very well-planned operation. Unfortunately, it didn't come off exactly as they wanted it to. Uh, I think something happened. Uh, The plane went down in Pennsylvania. I think that plane was the one that was uh, supposed to hit uh, uh, Building 7. And so that didn't happen. So uh, at 5:30 that afternoon, uh, suddenly they decided, well, we 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 got to get rid of the evidence because that's where their command center was. So they dropped Building Seven. That's after, and I have seen the films, newsreels of the firemen coming down the street, going, "Get back, get back!" The building's coming down. How did they know it's coming down? There was only a few desultory fires in a few of the in a couple of the uh, floors, not enough to bring down a building. That building came down straight down in its own footprint in a matter of seconds, free fall speed. The only way that can happen is with pre-planned demolition. And if Building 7 was brought down by demolition, as stated by Larry Silverstein, he said, we decided to pull it, so we pulled it. Okay? And if that was brought down by controlled demolition, then why is it so outrageous to claim that the World Trade Centers were brought down by controlled demolition? Uh, 
We're going to head into a break here shortly. Let me ask you the question now, and we'll get into the conversation, continue it afterwards. And, and that has to do with the uh, the 28 pages that were finally released this, I think it was uh, July 20th, heavily redacted. Uh, these were from the first 9-11 commission. This was the one chaired by uh, Florida Senator Bob Graham, and the one nobody remembers or pays attention to for some reason. Uh, and he, he tried to subpoena – he had a crack team of investigators – they tried to subpoena all these FBI field agents. They were stonewalled at every turn. They were told, no, you can't interview this person. You can't interview that person. Um, what, what do you make of the uh, – and the, the media reports are in those 28 pages. Oh, no smoking gun here. What, what is your take on, the, on those 28 pages? Anything of use there? No, no. It's all been redacted, and it's all been classified. It's all been it, – it's – the whole thing is – it. What people don't understand is when you talk about a conspiracy, if it's a conspiracy, a low-level conspiracy, if it's a few thugs or a criminal gang, and you have honest cops and honest FBI and honest, you know, federal marshals, they they investigate and they can find out the truth of all this stuff. This was controlled at the very top, at the very top. And that's why, by the way, this explains why you have people who had absolutely no direct contact with 9-11, but they were experts in architecture. Uh, they were uh, experts in building construction, building demolition. Uh, a lot of them are uh, connected to universities who uh, are dependent upon government grants. They're dependent upon government contracts. They are all closely tied to the government. And when it happens and they look at it and they said, this stinks, but then they realize that the power is at the top, and they don't want to lose their jobs, they don't want to lose their contracts, they don't want to lose their government grants, and as a result, this explains why there has been such a resounding silence from people who know better. They know what happened, but they know they better not say anything about it. Yes, especially when there's tenure on the line. All right, uh, Jim Morris stays with us. We'll take a time out, come back, and continue to talk about uh, 9-11, the 15th anniversary. And I want to sort of circle back to the uh, uh, the uh, particle beam in Brookhaven. Um, some pretty remarkable things you said there, Jim. We, we have to revisit that as well. I'm back with more. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Jim Mars stays with us till the top of the hour, uh, talking about the 15th anniversary of uh, 9-11. And uh, we should also mention, once again, Population Control, his book that just came out, what, a year and a half, two years ago, now available in soft cover. And um, I want to go back to uh, the um, evidence for particle beam, uh, a weapon or some sort of advanced exotic technology that was used on 9-11. And you mentioned this installation in Brookhaven uh, on Long Island. And um, first of all, how did you piece this all together? You talked about the fact that it was used to bring down uh, a UFO. Uh, uh, and um, I mean, how did you piece that together, Jim? Well, that's uh, been o- over a long period of time. Uh, going back to the... Um late 80s uh, with the success of Crossfire 
uh, I asked people all across the country, I said, what do you think's the next big, deep, dark, secret government cover-up? And almost unanimously, from cab drivers to publishers, they said, well, we'd like to know what's the truth about UFOs. So I began to delve back into the UFO issue. I'd been interested in UFOs since a kid in the 50s. Uh, I had written about it in the 60s uh, and in, uh, at the uh, newspaper I worked for. I'd interviewed uh, J. Allen Hynek and um, uh, various and sundry other people connected to the space program and to uh, ufology. And uh, when I got back into it, I got a newsletter from um, up in the Midwest from a fellow who's dead now. But he was a really intrepid investigator. And he was talking about a UFO shootdown that took place in, I want to say, 1989 in Mauritius Bay, uh, which is up in, on Long Island. And he said that they had used a, uh, I think he said a particle beam weapon, uh, and he said it was being developed at Brookhaven, and he had an interview. He interviewed one of the uh, scientists that were working on this weapon. Uh, so that caught my attention, and I kept up with that. In fact, there's a whole story there. There's a fellow, I think his name was John Ford, who began to investigate that and began to put out a lot of material about this was they were using this and they were shooting down these UFOs. Next thing you know, the feds raided him. The FBI were all over him. They said he was a nut and a kook, and they put they put him away. Okay, so um, uh, as far as I know, he's still in jail somewhere. Uh, as far as I can tell, for for trying to tell the truth. But again, you have to understand that they have to keep all this secret because, number one, the, the uh, fact that UFOs being piloted by non-humans are traveling in our skies, have been visiting the Earth for millennia. Okay, this is one of the biggest secrets that they're still holding on to. Uh, because, and the main reason is because they view this exotic technology they want it for themselves. They want to use it and weaponize it. So this would fall into the category of potential new weaponry, so they have to keep it quiet. And, again, this comes back, and then in uh, uh, 1992, I believe it was, you can go Google it, find out about the big fire in South Haven Park. Um, and uh, I had gotten word again through this same source that that, again, had been an instance of where they'd shot down a UFO and it crashed in the park and started a big fire. Uh, at the time of the TWA um, 800 crash, and I was investigating that along with Christina Borgeson of uh, CBS, uh, who had been assigned to find out what happened to the TWA 800, and we did, and she got fired, <laughs> and that story never came out because, again, it involved the uh, beam weapon, okay? But uh, we were on Long Island one time and heading back to New York, and it was late in the evening, and I saw a sign for South Haven Park. And I remembered the story about the UFO uh, that was shot down in South Haven in '92, uh, and I said, pull in the park here. Let me see. I said, let's... Let's drive around, and I said, you know, if if that happened, 
you know, there'll be fire damage, and we'll see maybe the tops of trees missing, and maybe I can find out for sure if that happened uh, and where it happened. But So when we pulled in the park, though, there was a little uh, park headquarters, I guess, a little building with a car out front, a ranger, park ranger. And I said, well, wait a minute, let's stop here. I said, why drive all around not knowing where we're going? Let me just see what I can find out here. So I went in, and uh, the park ranger was in there. And, uh, of course, I didn't want to front load him. I didn't want to tell him I'm looking for a UFO. I just said, hey, I'm a reporter. I'm from Texas. And I said, I just happened to be coming by here. And I said, hey, I remember you all had a big fire here back about 92. And he went, yeah. I said, hey, did you all ever figure out what caused that? What's going on there, you know? And he looked at me <laughs> very suspiciously, and he said, you want to know about the UFO, don't you? Mm. And I said, yes, I do. He said, well, I'd like to tell you, he said, because I was on duty that night, and I know all about it. He said, but I can't tell you about it. And I said, why not? He said, I've been threatened, and I, I could lose my pension. So I said, well, I don't want you to do that. So um, I said, what, what about, was there anybody else here? And he said, yeah, I had a partner on that night. said, he doesn't work here anymore. And I said, well, you know, would he be willing to talk with me? And he said, well, let me check. And he goes off in another room, and he gets on the telephone. I hear him talking to somebody. He comes back. He said, no. He said he doesn't want to get involved, and he doesn't want to talk to you. So that was pretty much the end of that. But as far as I was concerned, that confirmed to me that there was a UFO brought down in South Haven Park. All right. And uh, uh, that, again, supports the idea of the beam weapon that was being developed there at Brookhaven. And uh, they're using them on uh, uh, alien craft, and, they're, and then they're turning around and, and using on them on us, apparently. We'll take a time out when we come back, uh, Jim. Uh, let's talk about... Um, I know you're anxious to talk about the possibility of an alien attack a la Battlefield Earth. Uh, we can talk about that. And then if time permits and if you're game, maybe just dip into the uh, the, the, the U.S. presidential uh, election. Not sure if you're game for that, but we'll find out. Don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, but interesting report coming out of CNN now. Sanjay Gupta, the uh, health reporter. Uh, is saying it's time for Hillary to see a doctor. The question is, is he going to be fired just like Dr. Drew? Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sackett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Jim Morris stays with us till the top of the hour. Population control, how corporate owners are killing us. Just released in soft cover, Amazon.com, I'm assuming, Jim. Yes. In fact, it's just now been released. Uh, you know, uh, here's one of my big gripes. Uh, you go to Amazon, you look up my book, Population Control, and you're going to find several... Uh, people who've downgraded it, they, they give me a one-star or a two-star. What? And when I read those, uh, it's amazing because they're not commenting on the content of the book. The, the All the 
five stars, four stars, and five stars, they all comment on the book. The people who had cut it down were the people who thought that the cover price was too much. <laughs> and you know what, Richard, in a way, I, I, I tend to agree. Maybe it is too much, but they got to understand the author does not set the price of the book. The publisher sets the price of the book. So if their complaint is with the cost of the book, it's with the publisher. Don't go on Amazon and downgrade my book because you think the price is too high. (laughs) Excellent point. Excellent point. And, yes, you mentioned Battlefield Earth. You know, we've got uh, – L. Ron Hubbard was, uh, before he ever got into Scientology, was really quite a prolific science fiction writer. In fact, actually wrote – a lot of things. He wrote westerns, and he wrote thrillers, and he wrote detective stories. Uh, and he was right up there with some of the giants in science fiction. I mean, Arthur C. Clarke and Ray Bradbury and uh, Isaac Asimov. And he wrote Battlefield Earth, and, and it's, still, it's still worth going to, to, to find because it was about uh, 3,000 years in the future, and the Earth has been under the subjugation of an alien race. But unlike some of the more recent uh, forays into that kind of fiction, like uh, Independence Day or whatever, where they come and they blow up the White House and they blow up the cities and they're trying to kill everybody, in Battlefield Earth, it's uh, it's the intergalactic bankers who bankroll the intergalactic mining company so that they can afford to buy the mining rights to Earth so they can come and strip the Earth of of its mineral resources. And, of course, the pesky humans are kind of in the way, so so they're, you know, relegated uh, uh, down to just a handful and hiding out in the hinterlands. And But it's a wonderful, wonderful story about how that a bunch of downtrodden Earth people can get together and can mount a counteroffensive and win back the Earth, uh, you know, for the human race. Um, and so it's as valid now as when it was first written. Plus, they've got it in a new um, audio version that is mind-blowing because they've got, like, I don't know, more than 100 actors. They've got 150,000 sound effects. They've got a musical soundtrack. It's uh, it's all told it's like 47 hours. Wow. Uh, but you see, stuff. is that how you, you know, see? If you're commuting, you could be you could be listening to this for the next year. Sure. You know? But it's, is that how you see it breaking out, Jim? Do you, is that how you see an alien invasion sort of along those lines that we're going to be enslaved and, and uh, it's all about, you know, mining the, the minerals and so forth here yeah, on, on Earth? Yeah, they don't care about us. They, what they want is all the resources of the planet, water, minerals, uranium, gold, silver, you know, whatever. So, uh, uh, and the thing is, it would be... Uh, it would be counterproductive and expensive to try to invade another planet and occupy it, you know. But if you can figure out a way to decimate the population covertly so that they don't know what's happening to them, and when I say this, I'm thinking concurrently that, uh, and you're probably well aware of this, Richard, that the male sperm count has yes. been dropping yes. all around the world. It's true. Okay? It's true. And that uh, and that we have so many things working against us right now 
They're chemtrailing. We don't even know for sure what that's about because they won't even admit they're doing it. But we know it's got heavy metals. It's got barium, aluminum oxide, strontium that they're dropping on us. Um, we have these ailments today like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and things like that that I never even heard about when I was a kid, you know? Right, EMF. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, of course, the food we're eating, uh, at the rate we're going, uh, within just a few years, probably three-quarters of the population in the United States is going to be obese, okay? Obese but undernourished. Which is but kind of interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Because we're eating processed food, and it's got a lot of salt in it and a lot of sugar in it, so it tastes great, but there's no nutrition. And that's why people are getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and that's why uh, you go ask anybody in the job opportunities uh, business, and they're going to tell you, Get into medicine. Get into medicine. You know, be a medical therapist. Be a, you know, if you're not going to be a doctor, be a nurse. It's recession-proof, for sure. Medical technician, because everywhere you go, everything, we're now turning into half the country is going to be treating the other half of the country. Well, it's interesting, you know, uh, I've I've read studies where where people, I mean, we're living longer, but we're not living uh, better. People are losing their independence at younger ages, and you see, you see people in homes you know, in their in their in their early seventies, when they should be vibrant and out gardening and enjoying their their golden years. Right, exactly. Uh, and yet, and yet they're in poor uh, poor health and and getting poor and lingering, lingering, malingering. Yeah. Yes, it's terrible to see. Uh, just a few minutes left. I I don't want to put you on the spot, Jim, but I, I mean, it's just great theater. Uh, the the presidential uh, campaign. Um, so so we get to vote for. Joseph Stalin or Adolf Hitler? <laughs> Which one are we going to vote for? Oh dear. Um, what do you make though? The I mean, it's the 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 the, the divide is is stark uh, with you know the mainstream media uh, media uh, and almost covering well not almost just covering for Hillary uh, anyone who questions her health labeled a, a healther a conspiracy theorist. Uh, what do you take? Do you, what do you make of, well, of I've, that? I've looked into that quite seriously. I've checked with some doctor friends of mine, and I've looked uh, at some of the things that's been posted, and then used my own common sense and looked at, you know, these these things where she's doing these uh, very odd things, being helped up the stage. I think she's in advanced stages of Parkinson, and I don't think she is health-wise competent to be president. And what worries me is the fact that they're propping her up, carrying her around, making, and you know, she's not holding press conferences because she can't handle, you know, if she, uh, she would have an episode if uh, she was put in front of reporters and they all started shouting questions at her. Uh, and I think it would become painfully obvious that she is physically not fit to be president. But what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are, we, are they going to keep covering for her and we're going to elect somebody who cannot serve? And then we get Kim, okay, who is pro-Muslim. And then we'll have a Muslim head of Homeland Security, a Muslim head of the Justice Department, and then we'll have a president who's overtly Muslim, unlike the current covert one. And uh, where are we then? Uh, no, the, the real issues are not even being talked about. And I don't really look to uh, Donald Trump as being the white knight on the on the white horse. I, I, I'm not sure he's the guy 
uh, you know, but I will say this. Number one, I, from everything I know about Donald Trump, I have never heard even a whisper that he would have someone murdered, that he would put a contract out on somebody. Okay? That's more than you can say for the Clintons. All right? And then by the same thing, when I look at Trump, he is not – here's what people don't quite understand – he is not a Democrat. He's not really a Republican. He's not a liberal. He is not a conservative. He is a pragmatist, okay? He is an entrepreneur and a pragmatic one at that. He sees a problem and he says, okay, what are we going to do to solve this? And he solves it, you know? And I'm not sure, but maybe, just maybe, that's what we really need. He is a disruptor like we've not, we've not seen in 100 years. Which... God knows we need. Perhaps. Hey, Einstein said the very definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Well, we keep voting for the Republican, we keep voting for the Democrat, and nothing changes. So maybe we need to do something different. Well, here's you you mentioned, you know, he's not a Republican, he's not a Democrat. Who would thought? Who would have thought we would have the Republican nominee who's actually running to the left of Hillary when it comes to issues like trade and war? He's running to the left of her because, I mean, he is he's talking about no more nation building, no more. You know, foreign misadventures. We're not going to go in and topple governments anymore. He's saying what Bernie Sanders should have said. If Bernie Sanders had had gotten a bit between his teeth and had addressed those same issues along the same lines that Trump has, he might have got the Democratic National Convention, but then uh, a nomination. But then that wasn't the plan. He was just in there as a foible. You know, to to allow Hillary to get right in. Well, I, I hear the uh, the grandfather clock is telling you it's it's bedtime, Jim. So we're <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Time for my meds. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, listen, it's always such a pleasure uh, speaking with you. Got to get you back up here to Toronto, yeah. and um, always love having you. And um, again, let's remind people: population control, how corporate owners owners are killing us. Uh, now available in uh, soft cover. And uh, and read Battlefield Earth. It's a great read. Indeed. All right, Jim. Thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. Jim Mars. Always a pleasure. Um, I, I mentioned the um, the report now that uh, Sanya uh, Sanjay Gupta, who is uh, the CNN's health reporter, specialist, a correspondent, if you will, was uh, on uh, with Wolf Blitzer, and. Um, sort of breaking ranks now uh, because the mainstream media, as I see it, has created this firewall uh, around uh, uh, Hillary and will not allow anyone to discuss her health. And, well, Sanjay Gupta has now done that. He has said before she gets on a plane tomorrow because she's scheduled to fly out west uh, for some yet some more fundraising. <laughs> uh, she spends a lot of time fundraising. Uh, she, so before she gets on that plane, Sanjay Gupta says she needs to see a doctor. She needs to have a proper exam. A wh- I mean, can you imagine uh, the trouble he could find himself in? I mean, Dr. Drew got fired for suggesting the same thing. So this is getting real interesting, folks. Hold on to your hats. All right. Uh, my website is strangeplanet.ca. That's your portal to uh, all of my projects, radio, like this program, TV, live events. Please check it out and take a moment. Uh, on the radio page to uh, click on that blue member button, become a member, 
and it's cheap. It's free. It doesn't get any cheaper than that. <laughs> Uh, and it's easy and fast and uh, gains you access to all sorts of member-only areas. Please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Ah, thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, your taxi cab, that lonely diner just off the interstate, your RV, cabin in the woods, what have you. A special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, here in Toronto, AM 740, and our new FM transmitter, 96.7, and it sounds great. A hearty how-do to all of uh, those of you listening on one of our affiliates in the uh, United States. Of course, the podcasts, iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher Radio, uh, TalkZone.com, the uh, Zoomer Radio app which is uh, is great. If you haven't checked out the Zoomer Radio app, you really must download it. It's so easy to to um uh to use and download. Um and it's kind of a retro, it's kind of a retro feel to it, which I absolutely love. Um and of course, uh, the uh, the Conspiracy Show app, which is now available as a free download at iTunes and the Google Store for those of you on Android devices. Uh Jim Mars is standing by and we'll join uh him in just a few moments. Uh, Jim is down in the uh, the Fort Worth area of Texas, and he's got another humdinger of a book. Uh, this one on the uh, depopulation agenda, uh, population control. Uh, it's called. Let's get to it. Uh, from the uh, the food that we eat, the water we drink, the air we breathe, everything these days seems capable of killing us. Uh, and recently, we've seen an unprecedented number of deaths due to medications uh, for diseases that may not even exist, obscure cancers caused by, um, quite possibly, modern devices. Um, and then there are, of course, need I mention, you know, brutal uh, police tactics. Uh, one has to wonder, is this some coincidence? Well, Jim Mars is uh, screaming at us to think again. Uh, in his new book, Population Control, he uh, lays out a rather stunning case for what is quite possibly his most audacious conspiracy yet. The scheme concocted by a handful of global elites to reduce the world's population to 500 million by whatever means necessary and make a profit from it all at the same time. Jim Mars is the best-selling author of Rule by Secrecy and the Trillion Dollar Conspiracy. Those are just two of, uh, too many to mention. Anyway, he's pulling no punches in exposing this evil and chilling effective plan. He explains how a small group of tremendously wealthy and powerful people control virtually every important industry, guns, oil, pharmaceuticals, food, and of course, the media, and how it uses this vast network of conglomerates to take actions that lead to the deaths of men and women all over the world. Jim Mars, great to have you back on The Conspiracy Show. How are you? 
Hey, Richard, it's always great to be with you, and I'm looking forward to coming up to Toronto because <laughs> the Texas summer heat is still going, and I, I look forward to coming to cooler climes. Well, it is. It, the air is getting nice and crisp. I mentioned, you know, perhaps your most audacious uh, a conspiracy yet. I mean, it's getting, I think we all have the sense, you know, that it's later than we think. Uh, and that things are coming to a head. Uh, and that, that the, um, the elites almost aren't, they're not even concerned now about covering their tracks. It's almost sort of all out in the open. Do you have that sense? Well, I certainly do. Uh, but uh, luckily there are people all around the world that are resisting this plan. And uh, by the way, uh, let me point out to you and your listeners, I mean, you know, this is, this is not just political discussion. It's not politics as usual. It's not even philosophical debate. Uh, we're talking about self-defense, okay? These people want you dead. Uh, it's absolutely correct, and, and it's all based on a false premise. It's based on the idea that there's just too many people in the world. Um, you know, I can, uh, if, when you read my book, you can go right down the list, and you can find, for example, um, Prince Philip, okay, the royal family. And he has said human population growth is probably the single most serious long-term threat to survival. If it isn't controlled voluntarily, it will be controlled involuntarily by an increase in disease, starvation, and war. And uh, isn't that pretty much what we see going on? And by the way, just so you don't think he was just being rhetorical, at another time, he said, in the event that I'm reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus in order to contribute something to solve overpopulation. <laughs> a deadly virus? They want us dead, I'm telling you. And, and Richard, it's all based on a fa- faulty, faulty premise, which is that we are indeed experiencing uh, overpopulation problems, you know. And the reason I can say that that's false is because right now there are seven and a half billion people on this planet. If we gave each and every one of them a 2,000 square foot home, okay, the entire world's population could live quite comfortably in the state of Texas, okay? Now, please, don't come rushing down here. (laughs) I don't think we all want to be here in Texas. Right. But you get the idea. I get I, I agree. if you wanted to really spread them out, maybe everybody have about an acre or so, then the whole world's population could live in Australia. Okay? Now, uh, it, it's really interesting, though, that uh, they seem to think that we have too many people and they want to reduce the population, such as the uh, infamous Georgia Guidestones, that monument in Georgia that was yes. put up under mysterious circumstances. Yeah, they are uh, revealing uh, all in those Guidestones. Tell us what they say exactly. Well, their very first admonition says, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Well, doesn't that sound warm and fuzzy? But my question is, hey, there's seven... <laughs> Point five billion of us in the world today, and what's supposed to happen to the other seven billion? And even more importantly, who's going to decide what happens to the other seven billion? Right, right. And you that know, leads us into the uh, the whole 
subject of population control. Well, you mentioned the 500 million, and uh, if memory serves, you would know this, if anyone on the planet would, that uh, in Foreign Affairs Quarterly, um, which is the, uh, the, the organ, the publication that is, um, uh, I believe, uh, published by the, I think it's the Trilateral Commission. No, it's the Council, Council on Foreign of, Relations. Yes, thank you, the Council on Foreign Relations. They, in one of their issues, that was their stated objective, to reduce the population to 500 million. Exactly. Now, I want to point out, when I say the corporate owners are killing us, I'm not necessarily talking about corporate uh, uh, officers, okay? Because <clears throat> when you get to the level of these giant multinational corporations, most of their officers, their presidents, their vice presidents, are probably pretty good people, okay? And they're probably just fine, probably have Harvard business degrees, but they are administrators, okay? They were there and paid all that high-dollar salary as a, as a corporate uh, officer because they uh, have shown that they can run that corporation efficiently and uh, profitably. It's the people who own these things that make the decision. And it might be the, uh, the CEO, might be the board chairman. It might even be someone who only owns about 5% of the stock. Because if nobody else owns more than 5% of the stock, then that person controls the and dictates the policy of that corporation. Now we're talking about the uber-rich, the, the overly rich. And uh, now we're talking about the people who uh, sometimes themselves, and certainly through representatives, meet once a year on, as the Bilderberger Group. Okay, which we uh, used to be, uh, the, the, the corporate media acted like that didn't even exist, and at least now there there are reports on it. I know a few years ago when they were meeting in Canada, there was a lot of press about it. So people are beginning to at least understand that this is real and that these people meet, and they want us out of the way. Now here's the whole thing: up at that level, most of those people are heavily into eugenics. Okay, eugenics being a movement that started in the late 1800s um, and started in the United States, actually. Uh, Mrs. Averill Harriman was one of the, uh, Edward Harriman was one of the uh, founders of the eugenics movement, and their whole idea was is that we need to uh, clean up the race uh, and we need to see to it that people that uh, didn't live up to their standards uh, you know, get uh, get thrown out of the gene pool. Right now, right. This was know, the and and they, the Nazis took their racial hygiene laws from the United States. Exactly. Now, what happened was in the 30s, uh, this eugenics movement moved over to Germany, and when the Nazi Party took over, they carried it to its logical extreme. They said, well, you know, we got some people here, some gypsies, some Jews. We don't really like these people, so we'll just kill them. And that led to the Holocaust and World War II. Uh, luckily, the rest of the world said, now, no, wait a minute, we don't think that's really the way to do things. And so we had World War II, and we had 26 nations uh, led by the United States, Canada, uh, Britain, Australia, who then, you know, stopped National Socialism. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the ideas never quite died. And, of course, Richard, since you've read my book, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, you realize that uh, although we defeated the German military in World War II, we really never quite defeated the Nazis. We just ca caused them to move. 
and they went to various places, including the United States. All right, Jim, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into population control. Right here on The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. The great Jim Mars is with us, and his latest is Population Control. Jim, this... I mean, I, you're, you're going to be with us uh, many more years, God willing, and, and there'll be more books. But I really think this is your most important work. Did you feel that that as you were writing it, that this is, you know, the, the urgency and, and, and all that? Well, in a way, yes, I guess I did because, uh, you know, I've been asked by several people, you know, because I usually write about, you know, secret societies, um, <clears throat> government conspiracies, assassinations, world history. And, and they said, well, you know, why are you suddenly writing about food and, and, and air and water? And uh, I guess the answer, quite simply, is is that we're in danger, and people are in danger, and uh, there's, there's a lot of problems going on, and uh, we're not being told about it. It's just not happening. Uh, let me tell you how bad it is. Dr. Stephanie Sennett is a senior MIT research scientist and she has uh, drawn, uh, said, I found a remarkably consistent correlation between the rise of glyphosate, which is the main ingredient of Monsanto's Roundup herbicide, which they used copiously on all the soy, corn, and wheat crops in the United States. And I'm assuming this probably works in Canada also. And she's found this um, remarkably consistent correlation between the use of Roundup and the rise of autism. Yes, okay? and leaky gut syndrome as well. You can see it on a chart, you know, from 1990 up till now, you've got this steadily increase of the use of Roundup with glyphosate, and at the same time, parallel, you've got the increase in autism. And Dr. Sennett says at today's rate, by 2025, one in every two children will be autistic. My now, is this word. what we really want for our future my hmm. you know um the um, you were mentioning you know the uh, the elites that are uh, this is you know it's war on us it's not it's not war on terror we are the enemy we are you know the useful the useless eaters as kissinger uh, supposedly said yeah. but the problem i see it is that they are they have this mindset they have won the hearts and minds of society. You have well-intentioned people who believe that we have a population uh, a problem and that humans almost are a cancer upon the earth. Uh, and so we are taking, especially here in the West, we are taking this suicide pill, whether we are talking about, you know, the abortion industry and, you know, the den mother of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, was one of these eugenicists. Uh, it, it seems like they've, 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 won over seemingly good people to their side. Exactly. And to show you how high up and how important some of these people are, let's just consider John Holdman. 
Okay, John Holdren uh, participated in writing a book uh, years ago called Echo Science, and uh, he's one of these eugenicists, and he says many of my colleagues feel that some sort of compulsory birth regulation would be necessary to achieve such control over the population. One plan, often mentioned, involves the addition of temporary sterilants to water supplies or staple food. Doses of the antidote would be carefully rationed by the government to produce the desired population size. Now, okay, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but who is John Holdren? He is the uh, scientific advisor to President Obama, the science czar. And so we have people like this in charge. Uh, we have a real problem, folks, and uh, it's not going to go away anytime soon. For example, right now there are ten, just ten, giant multinational corporations that control much of the developed world's food supply. And, and I read them off, and I'm sure you, you and your listeners are familiar with most of them. Nestle, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, uh, General Mills, Kellogg's, Mars, Mandela's, Associated British Foods, Deton, and Unilever. There you go. And uh, almost everything you eat at one point or another probably goes to these corporations. And like I say, the big thing now is that uh, they are using uh, this, number one, this Monsanto herbicide Roundup. Uh, and also, of course, we get into the controversy of genetically modified organisms, GMOs. And even though under the USDA, uh, Department of Agriculture, organic regulations bans uh, GMOs, uh, nevertheless, that's, that's if you get the organic label. But otherwise, 95% of all soybeans and 80% of all U.S. corn uh, contains GMO. Now, Richard, I don't know if you about this, but bring you up to date on this. This is pretty interesting. Uh, one of the deputies of the Russian parliament, the Duma, has announced that they are going to ban all GMO foods in Russia. So, and I know they've already, it's already been banned in several of the European countries. Yes. So see, everybody in the world's not falling for this. But here in the United States, which I'm sure laps over into Canada, uh, Monsanto has such political clout and has such control over lobbyists and, and controls academics through grants and all like that, that we can't even seem to get a law passed that simply says you have to label something, whether it's GMO or not. And, and the problem is, as you mentioned with the corn, uh, okay, you can say, well, I'm not going to eat – I mean, I love corn on the cob, but we don't bring it in the house anymore. But the problem is corn and, and corn syrup and uh, – corn is in everything. You yeah, can't get away from it. Let's not forget, Richard, if you eat beef, you're eating cows that probably are eating the genetically modified corn. That's right. That's right. And, and Monsanto's motto – uh, was, you know, feed the world. And, and they tried to lay this trip on us that the only way we can feed seven and a half billion people, uh, is, you know, the only way we can increase yields is through, uh, GMOs. But that's proving to be false because, uh, I mean, the data simply doesn't support that. You can, you, they're not increasing yields with, with, uh, GMOs. Exactly. And, uh, not only that, but they convinced a whole bunch of, uh, the farmers in India 
to accept their uh, GMO and their uh, Roundup herbicide uh, to increase their crop yields, and instead the very opposite happened. It turns out that they require more water, which the Indian farmers didn't have, and as of today there's been tens of thousands of them that have committed suicide because they can't make a living because their farms have turned out to be almost sterile. The other interesting thing, and, and um, I, I'm sure you would argue this, is by design. Uh, you go into a grocery store, and never before have we seen seemingly so much bounty. Uh, and yet, the the nutritional value in a potato uh, or, uh, you know, vi- the vitamin C or the vitamin A, it's, it's, it's declining. I mean, you might as well be eating cardboard. Exactly. Uh, and the thing is, this has all happened. I'm not sure how old you are, Richard, but I'm old enough to remember I was, I was a kid in the 40s and the 50s. And uh, it was not until the late 50s that uh, they began to bring in processed food. So those of us who grew up in the 40s and the 50s predominantly were eating locally produced foods uh, and vegetables and fruits. Uh, and we were basically healthy. Uh, starting in the 50s, I remember when they first came out with TV dinners. Oh, man, what a wonderful invention. You throw it in the oven, you heat it up, and you got a warm meal, you know, and everybody went nuts for it. Sure. The, Sal- the Salisbury again, steak was frozen, but you would scold yourself on the, on the, apple, on the apple sauce. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. You, you cut it in the meat, and it's kind of cold in the center. But, but it all began processed foods. Processed foods. Now, I don't want to just say we need to stop eating all processed foods, but we need to be aware and we need to treat things accordingly. By by the 60s and 70s and certainly moving on into the uh, 80s, uh, you're right. You've got this multiplicity of food, but it's basically non-nutritious. And uh, you can see the facts of that, uh, the effects of that right here in the United States because – that one of the biggest growing problems we have for health-wise is obesity, okay? And this is because everybody's eating starches and processed food, and you're not really even getting the nutrition that you truly need. And, of course, this also means that you have a population that just grows sicker and sicker. Well, what happens when you get sick? got to go to the doctor. What is the doctor going to do? They're going to tell you to eat right? No, they're going to give you a pill because they're all pretty much tied in with the giant pharmaceutical corporations, the same people that own those ten corporations that produce all the food we're eating. Now, am I just shouting in the wilderness? Maybe so, but the problem is they also own the media. Uh, It's amazing. Um, I'll give you a good example of that. Uh, One concern for a lot of people today, and I'll admit it concerns me, and it's and it's correct to uh, uh, to be concerned about it, are these uh, shootings in schools, you know? And uh, but all the U.S. media can talk about, it seems, is that it's about guns. Oh, it's all about guns. If we just outlaw all guns, take all the guns away from everybody, why everything would be okay? Well, it's about mental illness, though, isn't it, Jim? In part, it's worse than that. It's about the drugs. Uh, I grew up in Texas. We had guns. We took guns to school. I, I, I remember going saying, hey, look at my new 22. And we had people that had shotguns, rifles, and the uh, gun racks of their pickup trucks. Nobody shot anybody. It's the drugs. Starting in the uh, 80s uh, with the rise of psychotropic drugs, well, let me put it this way. When I was in grade school, 
I was an avid reader. I was a very good reader, a very fast reader. And as a result, if we were reading as a class, okay, class, we're all going to read this, I, I was two or three chapters ahead. So I'd get a little bored. I'd be looking out the window. Well, back then, the days of the old republic, when the teacher came by and saw me looking out the window, she'd slap me on the wrist and say, Jimmy, stay with the rest of the class. And I'd go, yes, ma'am. And that's all there was to it. But today, they'd probably send me to the school nurse, who had then been trained and, and uh, conditioned to send me to the school psychiatrist or psychologist, who would say, oh, well, he's probably got attention deficit disorder, and they'd put me on Ritalin. Or Prozac, right. or one of these drugs. Who, if you'll read the fine print, says brings on tendencies towards suicide and homicide. It's the drugs, and I could go back and show you every mass shooting, from the church shooting in North Carolina to uh, the Virginia Tech shooting to uh, even uh, the Colorado shooting. Okay, and every single one of them involves people who are on or coming off of these psychotropic drugs. Secondary serotonin reake inhibitors, SSRIs they call That's them. right. And uh, here's the problem. See, you're never going to hear this in the corporate mass media. Why? Because uh, certainly here in the States, if you watch uh, commercial TV, uh, every time they go to a commercial, if they're not selling you a car or truck, they're selling you a drug. So they're not going to, they're not going to, Despite the nose of their chief advertiser, and and uh, the other thing is they uh, these these um, uh, class action suits, not class action, individual suits come up, uh, and they settle out of court, uh, and it costs them. It may cost them in a year, you know, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars, but that pales in comparison to the profits. It simply becomes the cost of doing business. Exactly, and what a lot of people uh, don't realize is that back in the 80s, uh, the United States Congress passed the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program and set it up. Uh, and now that sounds pretty good. But what it did was it absolves the pharmaceutical corporations from any liability if their vaccines prove bad and cause harm, or okay, to include the psychiatric drugs, and but particularly with the vaccines. Now, the thing is, they say, well, it's, they're totally safe, so, you know, there's no problem there. Except, obviously, there is a problem there because from 1989 to the present time, this government vaccine injury compensation program has paid out almost $3 billion to families whose children have been harmed by these vaccines. Uh, I was watching the uh, the Republican uh, debate, the CNN debate, and uh, some people thought, oh boy, Donald Trump stepped in it when he, again, uh, well, he was challenged by Jake Tra Trapper, uh, I believe, uh, is the uh, was the moderator, and asking him about his comments, again, relating uh, autism to vaccines. And, and for many people, let's face it, the vast majority, that whole connection uh, between autism and vaccines was sort of laid to rest uh, um, some time ago, although there are still those who maintain that there is some, not necessarily causation, but perhaps a correlation. Um, so, Well, if you've been keeping up, there are some whistleblowers out of some of the pharmaceutical corporations who say uh, that the um, 
uh, including the government regulators of the CDC, have actually uh, stifled reports and had people change the reports and have actually, uh, you know, basically not told the truth about the correlation between uh, vaccines and autism. Right. I, yeah, I had John uh, Rappaport on the uh, the program from No More Fake News, and we talked about uh, those specific cases, a couple of whistleblowers from the CDC, as you mentioned. All right, Jim, we're taking a time out. We'll come back and uh, continue to discuss uh, population control in all its forms. We'll talk about chemtrails as well as one of the uh, the weapons in their arsenal. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Jim Mars is with us. Population control, how corporate owners are killing us. It's the latest, and it is a Lollapalooza, uh, the culmination of decades and decades and decades of work. You were talking about how these elites and all of you know the millions of, of, of people, particularly here in the West, that they have sort of ensnared in this mindset that humans are a cancer, uh, we must be eradicated. But the idea that overpopulation is the problem. I mean, everything that I've read points to the fact that the, the world's population is going to stabilize at around 11, 12 billion, and then will actually go into a rapid decline. Take China, for example. They have a huge, this may be the biggest problem facing China, because their one-child policy was so effective, and of course, because, you know, for cultural reasons, they want boys, they don't have enough women in China. Their population is going to crash at a certain point. It will hit sort of a terminal point where they can't bring it back. I mean, the population is just naturally going to start declining at a pretty rapid rate in about 50, 100 years. That's exactly right. But if you ask the experts, you know, they've got all kinds of predictions. They'll say, no, we'll, we'll grow and grow until we can't outstrip our resources. But then that's not taking into account technology. Just 50, 70 years ago, you really needed big families because most people lived out on the farm and they needed people to operate the farm, bring in the food. Today, you know, these huge agri-corporations, they, they've got machinery to do all that. I'd also point out that, you know, everybody wants to listen to the experts. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about you, Richard, but I'm old enough to remember when there were doctors uh, in magazines and even on TV along with Hollywood stars like Lucille Ball and, and uh, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan, saying, hey, smoke camel cigarettes. They're good for you. All right? All right. So I think we have to understand that just because you can hire some expert does not necessarily mean that that's uh, correct. Uh, you know, the, the answer uh, to me in terms of... of just naturally reducing population. It's all about prosperity. And we had in the West and Europe, Western Europe, we had the benefit of an industrial revolution. And there are groups, uh, you know, the environmental movement has been co-opted by and large. You mentioned Prince Philip and he and a former SS officer, Prince Bernhard, they started the World Wildlife Fund and they view humans as a cancer. Um, but had we... You know, seen an industrial revolution in Africa, 
um, you know, they would, we would have had prosperity there and we wouldn't have a population issue in places like Africa. It seems like the environmental groups want to deny, um, certain regions, the developing world, a fair shot. We had an industrial revolution, but they can't have one. That's part of the problem. Well, it absolutely is. In fact, uh, uh, a lot of the, the, the head of plan, the, the person who founded Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, okay, uh, she was very blunt about it. She said, quote, colored people are like human weeds and need to be exterminated. All right. And then, by the way, I might point out that Hillary Clinton, who is now, you know, looks like it might, might be a real candidate for president of the United States, says, I admire Margaret Sanger enormously, her vision, her tenacity. And so, you know, at a certain level, they, they really, then we get rid of people. And this leads to all kinds of bad things. Um, for example, uh, in 2014, okay, in Africa, you mentioned Africa, uh, they, uh, some doctors and clinics, uh, accused the, uh, UNICEF and the World Health Organization of injecting two million Kenyan women with a vaccine that they found was laced with a sterilization chemical. So now we're back to Prince Philip who said, you know, if they don't reduce it voluntarily, they'll be reduced involuntarily. And again, the question is, who's going to decide who can procreate and who can't? Uh, but I totally agree with you, Richard, that education is a big part of it. Uh, if, people, if people are educated, have a job, and are reasonably prosperous, uh, they probably would be caring enough not to overpopulate. They would reduce them, say, say have one or two children, enough to reproduce themselves, and then, you know, see to it that uh, they take care of uh, their own birth control. Uh, to what extent has the... the um anthropogenic global warming movement uh, been co-opted by the same group intent on population control? Because I, I sort of see that as an extension of it, the idea that, again, we are a cancer, we have to reduce our our, our carbon footprint, where everything I've read s- tends to suggest this planet is, in a, is on a carbon starvation diet. <laughs> Possibly so, but what I can tell you is, sorry, Al Gore, uh, it, climate change, which they now, you don't hear global warming much anymore because after those emails and, and memos surfaced showing that they were fudging their numbers and that they had an agenda, then uh, they've kind of changed the, the tune now to climate change. And yes, there probably is some climate change going on. It always has in the, for the past millennia and it probably will continue. But what people need to understand is, is that it's not our, it's not our fault. Right now, the polar caps on Mars are, are diminishing, so they're melting. The uh, ice on some of Jupiter's moon is melting. All right? Outer planets, uh, Uranus, are becoming more uh, bright and, and illuminated, which means they're heating up. So whatever, if there is a cause for climate change, it's solar system-wide. And it may be, it may have to do with sun spot activity flares. It may be that there's something happening in our own solar system that we're not quite yet aware of. But whatever it is, it's not just the Earth. All right, we'll take one final time out. We'll come back. One more segment remains with the great Jim Mars population control, how corporate owners are killing us. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. 
The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, uh, Jim Morris stays with us a few moments yet before we turn out the lights and say goodnight. Uh, Jim, I'm worried about the... um the proliferation of, of cell phone use with, with um, young people, very young people, uh, you know, who it looks like it's, you know, the, the cell phone is surgically attached to their head, uh, walking down the street constantly on that phone. And, you know, I, we don't have long-term studies about this. I'm thinking, you know, my gosh, are we going to have an epidemic of brain cancer in the next 20 years? I mean, is that one of the weapons in the arsenal? Well, yeah, that's part of it, too. The problem is uh, it, it's so such recent technology that we really actually, no one actually knows uh, what this uh, ELF, extremely low frequency um, uh, radiation, and that's what it is, it's electromagnetic radiation. We don't know really what that's going to do to us in the long run. Uh, and I'm fearful that if we don't start paying more closer attention and do something, uh, we are going to have real problems in the future. Um, I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old grandson, and he, he got onto my wife's computer, managed to turn it on, and managed to change her, uh, her uh, front page, her uh, wallpaper. <laughs> I figured that out. I don't know because I have trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we just really have no idea. And I was also, uh, when I make my talk, uh, I'm going to show you a map of uh, just Texas, one state, and uh, all of the uh, cell towers that they have put up there. Uh, And it it just covers the state, and it's absolutely incredible. And we have no idea what that actually is going to be doing to us. Uh, but we ha- they have done studies uh, on the use of the cell phone. Now, the cell phone is a wonderful thing, uh, and I, what a godsend, especially if you're, you get stuck out somewhere, say, with a flat tire or whatever. It used to be you had to hike for miles, find a farmhouse, bang on the door, risk getting shot, <laughs> you right, know, r- right. risk of being accused of accosting the farmer's daughter, the old joke, and uh, to try to get some help. Today, the cell phone, well, great. You dial up and say, I need some road service, you know. But the problem is, would they have found that with a cell phone, it causes thermal heating of the head, and which can lead to brain cancers and brain damage. All right? So what's the deal? What do we do about cell phones? Well, cell phones, I think, are wonderful, but they need to be treated like you should treat your credit card. Okay? It's great to have one on you in case of emergency, but otherwise, don't use it, okay? What about chemtrails? Uh, is, is, that, is that, again, part of the uh, plan to keep us, not just kill us off, but just to keep us sort of permanently uh, sick, in a state of declining health, vulnerable? Well, we do know, uh, of course, what is in chemtrails, and, and that's barium, and, and uh, aluminum oxide. Strontium. Uh, aluminum. Uh, and by the way, we also know that uh, you've got fluoride and uh, aluminum adding to jet fuel. And when, these, when the fluoride and the, and the aluminum and the chemtrails fuse, 
uh, at uh, high altitudes, it forms aluminum fluoride, which, uh, you know, I don't have to remind your listeners that uh, this is why uh, uh, aluminum cookware is kind of out because they found that aluminum can seep into your system, get in your brain, cause uh, brain deficiency, cause uh, uh, all kinds of Alzheimer's and everything else. And I don't know, chemtrails is a, is a definitely a real problem area that we need to be looking at uh, because, again, it's, it's so recent, we don't really know uh, what it's actually going to do to us, but it can't be good especially in the fact that the government declines to even admit that it's happening. And yet all you have to do is look up in the sky. And if you see an airplane, a high-flying airplane, uh, at some high altitude, and it's leaving a white trail behind it, but it finally ends, something depending on the atmospheric conditions, it might be a long trail or it might be kind of a short trail, but it will evaporate because that is a condensation trail. And it's simply uh, when the warm air of the engine of the plane, whether it's jet or piston, once that uh, connects with the super cold air up at the higher altitudes, uh, it turns to water vapor and it streams back away from the plane. But as it cools off, it, it evaporates, it goes away. That's a contrail. That's what we're really used to seeing, and that's what they keep trying to tell everybody you're actually seeing. But when you see a trail out coming off of an airplane, it goes from one horizon to the other, and keep watching it. It doesn't dissipate. It spreads out. And what started off maybe as a sky blue, beautiful morning, by afternoon is a milky, hazy white. Those are chemtrails, folks, and they are dumping chemicals and even pathogens on you. It's been found. Well, uh, just look again, at the aluminum, the uh, the um, aluminum concentrations. Uh, in soil now, there is some naturally occurring aluminum, but when you find it in in such high concentrations in pristine areas like Mount Shasta, right. uh, and seeping into the water, and and the soil now becoming so alkaline as a result uh, that nothing is growing properly except for the Monsanto crops, which are adapted for alkaline soil. <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> exactly. I think not. Uh, how can you deny that there's something going on? Well, you can, and then they're coming at us from all sides, okay? Uh, for example, uh, another false premise is that the idea of peak oil, that somehow or another we're running out of oil, and so we have to do all kinds of extreme measures to find new uh, sources of gas and oil. Well, number one, that's not even true anyway, because uh, if somebody tries to tell you that we're running out of oil, just give them three words, back in rock formation. Okay, B-A-K-K-E-N, Bakken Rock Formation. Uh, the Bakken is a huge underground deposit of uh, petroleum that stretches from the United States well into Saskatchewan. Okay, and according to the experts, there's enough untapped petroleum there to last at increased rates of consumption for the next 2,000 years. Okay, but of course we don't want to do that because we're choking ourselves to death on the pollution anyway, but based on this faulty premise that we just have to do anything to get more gas and oil supplies, that leads to hydraulic fracturing, okay, where they pump millions of gallons of water under high pressure deep into the earth to open up cracks and uh, supposedly help find more hydrocarbons, but it's not just pure water. Each well, and there's about 500,000 of them just in the United States, um, 
uses up to up to eight million gallons of water mixed with sand and about forty thousand chemicals, including such wonders as uh, lead, uranium, mercury, hydrochloric acid, formaldehyde. Uh, and then not only that, not only are they polluting the water supplies uh, because this water has to then be pumped out and left in open uh, evaporation pits, and you, so you got all these uh, chemicals that are now in the water that evaporates, and now they're in the atmosphere, and people around there are breeding it. Uh, it it's really incredible. Uh, and again, it's based on a false premise that they just have to have more uh, gas and oil. And another thing, too, is that they're creating earthquakes. Uh, in uh, the state of Oklahoma, for example, um, we saw uh, in the past there was only maybe one earthquake every year on an average, okay? But in the past 10 years, it's now up to 20 and 30 earthquakes. And, uh, in fact, on one particular day, uh, there's like 20 earthquakes uh, just uh, on the same day. So, uh, you know, and the state authorities there in Oklahoma uh, studied them and came to the conclusion that it was due to man's uh, man-made activity. Well, there you go. It's the fracking. But, again, the gas and oil industries and multi-corporations, multinational corporations, are so stout that, uh, you know, they're still arguing over that. Well, no, no, their dad is wrong, and no, they don't quite understand it. But, you know, it seems simple enough to me. Uh, when you start fracking and earthquakes start, there's some kind of connection. Hey, you, you're going to be, uh, again, up here Friday, October the 2nd, and uh, you'll be on stage probably around two hours. Uh, uh, so you just cr- scratched the surface tonight. But in a, we have a couple minutes here. Just leave us uh, with a little bit of, of, of hope, Jim, because uh, I know you, you, a large part of the book is, is about defending ourselves, and certainly knowledge is, 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 is one thing we can do. But just in a minute here, tell us what else can we do? Well, uh, the problem is it's an individual thing. I can't tell any individual what to do or what not to do, but I would say just as a general rule, number one, educate yourself, okay? Uh, read my book. I'm not asking for anybody's belief. You don't have to believe me, but read it. You'll see my sources. Check. Then you'll know for yourself. Then it's not a question of whether you want to believe Jim Mars. It's a question of I know this, all right? Now, once you know the truth and once you understand about how these corporate owners are basically trying to rid the world of 7 billion people, then one thing you can do is spread the word. Start talking to your friends and neighbors. Host a neighborhood gathering. uh, Start a book club. You know, write letters to the editor. Just start doing something because the good news is that there are more of us good people, hardworking, conscientious people, than there are of them, okay? And uh, if we simply could get our act together and uh, come to some agreements about what is good and, and prosperous for humanity, then maybe we could uh, rectify this situation. Uh, is there, do they have, they, uh, the, uh, the, the, the corporate owners, the elites, do they have something in store for us that's really going to sort of move their population control agenda forward in a very big way uh are we talking about world war three are we talking about some i don't know outbreak avian flu some pathogen do you see something right around the corner that you're concerned about (laughs) could be all of the above 
And uh, yes, uh, we do seem there seems to be a quickening, a hastening. Uh, we all seem to be rushing pell mell into a future and and heading towards a true crossroads. Uh, and that is, are we going to um, fall into a 1984 Orwellian type world with you know surveillance and with a, the some government spy knowing what you're doing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, and then be totally numbed and dumbed by? Uh, bad water, bad air, <laughs> bad vaccines, uh, bad food even, you know, or are we going to kind of wise up and say, you know, number one, let's put people in power who care about the people, not just the next election. And let's listen to people who don't have any reason uh, other than telling us the truth. And just in other words, be an aware citizen and pay attention to what's going on and then work for a better world. All right, Jim. Well, people can get um, more of this information when you're up here Friday, October the 2nd, uh, and uh, that will be a Conspiracy Culture special event. Go to their website, conspiracyculture.com, and you can order online. Jim, always a pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you, Richard. Look forward to seeing you. Population control, how corporate owners are killing us. My thanks to Ian Robertson, Albert Venzel, back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.